The Open Source Creative Podcast, Episode 44, Learning How Open Source Works. This is the Open Source Creative Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity, process, and open source software. I'm Jason Van Gumster, your host and driver. This, this, this show might end up being a bit of a rant, so we'll see. Let's consider it, though, a primer for anyone who doesn't understand open source. If you have any thoughts or ideas on the show, also feel free to toss them at me at podcast.opensourcecreative.org. Also, how do you guys like Thursday for a release day? I'm thinking that's that's the day. It's either Thursday or Tuesday, and I've been playing with it back and forth, and I think I think Thursday's the, the day to do podcast episode releases. Um, that might change if I start doing these live, but, you know, we'll, we'll find out and we'll play it along. In any case, let's get to it. Oh, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be. All right, so so this whole thing started with with the notion that um, you you see the 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 grants being donated by Epic, for instance, for the um, for for Blender and Krita and these sorts of things. See, talked about this in the last episode, and you'll see you see more money going to development funds for these various applications, and uh, you actually see a lot of uh, development happening sort of commercially within studios and stuff. So let, let's back this up a little bit more. And so there, there's, there's kind of this mistaken impression somehow that, um, you know, the, the creative applications that, that, that are in the open source space, like, like Blender, like Creative, like Gimp, for instance, have, have suddenly changed the way that they, they do things and, and are, are approaching it in a more, you know, whatever kind of way uh and and this is why they're they're finding success and it's actually i I believe the reverse is true it's it's actually that the um the various entertainment industries and other industries that find value in in creative open source applications are actually trying to treat open source software the rest the way the rest of the world has been treating open source software for a number of years now and what i mean by that is there's this misplaced sort of thought that open source software is, um, you know, just somebody in, in a basement writing code and releasing it out into the world. And while that does absolutely still happen, that's 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 not what happens a lot in and uh, in, in more mature applications and um, just libraries and software like like that. And so what you end up having is a. Uh, a an ecosystem where someone actually gets paid to write this code and in general open source not the open source application world or the, even the creative applications but the way it's supposed to work the way it has worked for a number of years is that you have the application people find value in it people find use for it companies find use for it and one of the advantages of it being open source is that you have well the source right and so rather than spend time developing an entire application all the way from scratch it's a lot more useful 
and a lot more helpful to take an existing application that that's already mostly working, already servicing most of the needs that people have and, and what they want, and then since you have the access to the source code, modify that for your needs, and then as you make your modifications, feed those back upstream so that everyone can benefit from it, and by the way, you don't necessarily have to be the only one with the burden of maintaining that code. And that has been happening for a long time. That's been happening with, with Linux as, as an operating system. That's been happening with um, you know, web servers like Apache. That's been happening with a lot of things that are more sort of infrastructure-y, back-end, sort of, I would say, maybe maybe not as... as uh, user-facing or, or dare I say it, sexy as, as the really cool whiz-bang creative applications that, that we like to use. And so then you'll have, you'll have your companies, the, the IBMs, the Red Hats, the Suns, the, at this point, even Microsoft at this point, um, they have developers who are writing code that goes to open source projects. They, they, just like any other developer, they write code, they submit patches, they get reviewed, and those patches go into the main thing. Some of them are even part of the official development teams. And the people who are writing this code are actually paid to do that. They are paid to write open source code. And that's a big component of how open source development is driven. It's not just, you know, donating or contributing money to a uh, development fund or, or anything like that. The, the, the way it's supposed to work is that you have um, you have your, your core team that's doing the main development, but you also have some sort of commercial backing and sponsorship, but not sponsorship of the project by like just giving the project money. People and companies who hire software developers to write open source code. And this is something that, again, has been going on in general open source for a long time. And it seems that only in the last, I'll say couple of years maybe have uh, people on the creative teams for for like entertainment and studios and and those sort of things have they they finally started oh we're gonna hire on developers and actually you know blender for instance does a lot of what we need but it's missing some features well rather than complain to the blender developers about getting those features or just complain in general they have the source code why not just add that to to our own custom version of Blender? And if we want to, uh, if it's not something that is like specific to a particular pipeline or could benefit Blender general Blender users in general, send that upstream. You know, write patches and uh, explain and make the make the case for whatever sort of patches so that that stuff can be incorporated in the code. And that way, you have you have a support structure. You have a a, a base built around the, the the core development team, but you also have a professional, um, uh, you know me and the word professional, but just deal, I guess. You, <laughs> you, ha you have a, a, a group of developers who are also paid to write open source code that uh, contribute to it in a meaningful way. And it's a sustainable system because it's not just the, for one, it's not just the open source core team doing the development, right? One of the major strengths of open source software is that it is distributed. It is uh, distributed development in the, in the realest sense of that, uh, that, that phrase, because 
even if the core team of any of these applications goes away, the software could still survive, right? Someone else can pick up the code and run with it. Uh, that's why we also have forks of various applications and these sorts of things. And so that model has worked very, very well in, in general open source, where you have, again, you have a core team, you have a, uh, you have volunteers doing their own sort of scratching their own itch type development where you know I have this little particular feature that I either find interesting or I think would be useful I write the patch for it and maintain and code and do that sort of thing and then you have the uh, commercial interest you have the companies who are actually also using the software but they have their own particular needs well they can hire a software developer to add their features and then communicate that with a larger um, open source development core team to do that. And the really cool thing is that this has been starting to happen in studios more and more on the entertainment side of things. And they're, it's, it's amazing. They're just, they're, they're now catching up with the rest of the technology world, which is a little ironic considering how much technology is actually used in entertainment, both on the, you know, on the games, on the television commercials, on, on movies, on TV shows. It's, 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 it's been surprising to, me at the very least for how how behind the ball they've been uh, or just behind in general that 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 those segments um of of the world have been in terms of understanding open source and being able to really make the most sort of follow best practices follow the way that 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 has worked for a number of decades now wow you can even say decades open source has been around for a while and uh free and open source free and open source software has has survived and flourished in that time based on this kind of development and it's 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 just funny for me because you see you see artists who don't have an understanding of open source software who don't have an appreciation for how this stuff has been working for a long time and they see the the sort of the the software the financial successes for whatever it's worth like the larger development funds and um the growing of those teams for these core uh, applications again you know stuff stuff like Krita, stuff like blender and you start seeing uh they start seeing the development for those applications get traction and so they have traction they have manpower they have uh the the number of people who can actually write the code to do things and fulfill certain you know certain requests or you know these laundry lists of 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 things that people have wanted for for a long time uh are finally being addressed in a lot of ways and that's that they're they think oh well they're finally starting to listen that's that's not the case the the it's and this is one of those things that I've 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 said for a long time. Most of the time, if you especially especially for for a number of these applications, if you have um, a software developer, a, ask anyone working on these applications, uh, you know, how long is a list of things you'd like to do to improve it? it it's it's innumerable. There are infinite things that you can do to improve software, and a lot of the problems people may have with it. Are, are known issues that there just isn't hasn't been time or the people resources to address all of them and that's a lot of that's because the the user base and of of the software and again i'm not just talking like artists that use the software but the user base including the the companies that those artists work for they've always followed this this 
closed source proprietary model where the software is a vendor over there and they give us a thing and we use that thing right you you from a tool standpoint i have a you know i'm making a thing i need a hammer i grab a hammer from someplace and then i i, I go banging away but i have no involvement with the production of that hammer if that hammer doesn't fit my hand well enough oh well i get a different hammer right or if that hammer doesn't doesn't work the way i want it to then then that's just too bad that's the way the hammer's designed there's not an appreciation that you could be part of the design of the hammer and that's what we get with open source and that's what i think is has started to resonate in in the various entertainment industries as well as a number of other places that use uh creative open source tools to to do things and again it's it's really kind of surprising that it's it's taken this long for 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 that to be realized right i mean it's not like it's not like this this hasn't been happening it's not like linux hasn't existed it's not like um all you know, red hat hasn't been around successfully following this model for 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 quite some time and i'm not even talking about red hat making money off of selling the open source software i'm talking about hiring people to uh, work in open source applications as part of those teams and send patches and 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 be part an active part of that development and it doesn't just have to be companies that are selling that software um, or the support for that software like Red Hat these again there are a number of companies lots of companies that are for instance using Linux or using uh, web servers or using a lot of this back-end stuff where they have value in it they find use for it but they need particular features so they actually hire software developers to do it and maybe it's just because in the in the creative fields maybe they, they haven't been in the practice of hiring software developers unless you have these very large productions where like you know movie and film productions or even in games as well games I would expect I would have expected right you, you would expect games is is a large component of that is software development so they're they're going to have software developers on hand but i think part of that is maybe there's this this overwhelming uh it's the 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 sort of the fear of the gpl the fear of the the, the copy left nature of it and the i don't know i i think from from a gaming perspective the there's a there's a false impression here that what makes a video game special is the technology that people play the game because of the technology and while well yeah there's a there's a there's a component of that and while the, the technology itself is is um intriguing and it does help drive a lot of the rest of that 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 industry to to do things and what uh, a lot of gamers are really interested in gamers well, well again and we're talking when i say talk about technology i mean um interaction models graphics physics those sorts of things while that does that 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 enhanced realism does improve the immersion in the game it's not the game right you can have the most immersive uh realistic high technology game but if the game play itself the design of the game if you know the artistry of the game doesn't exist then the game sucks um and i'm not sure where i got on that rant oh and so yeah but they so I can see from from one end if it's if it's very art or design driven from a game standpoint, then maybe maybe the argument still holds true. But I mean, the software development is still an an intrinsic component of of them, and it's it's just surprising that um, 
it's not you know they i would have expected the, the the gaming community the gaming game development community to be one of the first to really sort of latch on and and uh and follow these the same sort of open source development model that that's worked elsewhere because they already have a lot of software development sort of in-house they have they understand how software development works in the general case it's not that hard to extrapolate that and and understand how it works for so, for open source and how that might apply within the the sort of the general construct of game development um, but again, maybe it's just the that whole misconception that the 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 technology is the value proposition. That the technology is what makes that game special, and and that has prevented them from from uh, looking at open source with it with the level of seriousness that they they probably ought to have. For the other sort of entertainment sectors, you know, with movies and stuff like that, I, I can understand like if you're if you're a small time television producer for television television commercials you might not have the budget to hire a software developer to to add stuff to 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 your tools and and that sort of thing but a lot of these these additional things can also be contracted out and it's not uncommon for it from a business ownership standpoint to contract out things out and and freelance software development is a thing you just it's not hard to throw a rock and you find you can find a developer these days and finding one that you like to work with is a little bit harder but that's that's part and parcel to finding people you like to work with in general so it, uh, yeah it's just i guess it's it's surprising to me still that it, it has taken this amount of time for uh, the various entertainment industries to catch up but that's also why we have this podcast so that anybody who is still in the in this world um that doesn't get it you can listen to this podcast. You can share this podcast with with them, and and maybe they will get it. It's again, it's it isn't that you know, Blender or Krita or Gimp or Inkscape developers are starting to listen to their users. They know what the issues are. They've been listening to users. It's a matter of trying to get the time and the and the resources to actually. When I say resources, I mean people hitting code right and people having time to to address some of the hard problems um right it, it's 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 that's always been the challenge is getting the the right people with the right amount of time to solve any given component of the problem i mean we'll take an inkscape for 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 example inkscape is supposed to be sort of like the the application that is that is the reference spec for SVG, but as far as I know, Inkscape still doesn't have the capability of doing any of the animation stuff that's built in that's built into the SVG spec, and that's a problem. I mean, it's something that's on on deck, it's something planned, but it's it's backburnered for all these other capabilities and other things that have to be addressed first. Again, largely because they're just isn't enough time and aren't enough people to actually do the work and this is why i think having having this final this understanding where you you don't look at software development from an open source standpoint software development software development teams the the development communities wrapped around these applications they're not a vendor they're not a company over there that you basically throw money at and and hope that you get back what you want the this is more more of a collaborative environment this is more of a i won't go so far as to say partnership environment but it's it's highly collaborative right if you need a feature and you're willing to put the effort into actually getting it developed and getting it working for you 
um, there's a highly, much higher likelihood that that code can get reviewed and part of the main code base. And you don't necessarily have to maintain the whole development tree. If you hire somebody to do the development, you can also hire them to do the maintenance on that code. So when you have a fast-moving target like Blender, when the development develop the they're releasing every handful of months, then you have the ability to keep up with that, keep that stuff that you need to work for your daily business to work, and um, because you've hired someone to do it, that's that's part of their job. And again, I, I think from the the main reason I'm talking about this is is sort of to it's more of an educational piece for for artists who aren't familiar with open source I suppose artists and creatives who don't know how that works and so from the, from an outside view from from a separate view it may look like suddenly uh, the development model has changed or that the um, that the the core development team is is doing something different but we have more access as regular users to the developers of open source tools than we have to any of the developers of closed source tools. We can actually, know, we often, you know, you see in the communities of uh, of users, they will talk about the developers by first name sometimes because they've actually met them and know them at, at various conferences or or events or just because they've sent them email and had long in depth conversations about what they would like to see and what they would like to do. Now, granted, some of those some of those emails and conversations could be distractions and uh, prevent the developer from actually getting that work done. But, you know, um, the, the point of the matter is that we have a much more personal interaction, much more personal relationship with the development teams of open source tools than we will ever have with proprietary development teams. Um, and that's something that, that I don't think it can be overstated. It's a, it's a it's a feature of open source that we enjoy as users, and we can feel um, ourselves being much more part of the development process. But it also is, if we want to see the software go somewhere, it's it's incumbent upon us to be part of that process. We can't just um, we can't just you know nothing happens. To, one of the things, one similarity with open with closed source software is you can't just sit on a forum and yell about how something doesn't work and wish somebody would do something about it, right? There's there's you're not you're not screaming into some sort of customer support void. There are other people at the end of this that that and even with proprietary software, there are other people at the other end of this that that want to solve the problem, but they they don't, for whatever reason don't have the uh, the the time or resources to handle it, but with open source, again, we have we have the code. We can make those changes ourselves, or we can hire someone to do it. And that's one of the really coolest, valuable things about uh, open source software and development is is we really do have um, this this special uh, longevity to the to the software that that you don't get anywhere else you have longevity and you have this this involvement that you don't get with with closed source software just because you have access because you have the ability to make changes if you have the time or wherewithal or budget to do so and it's it's really really that simple and so yeah, I mean, I mean this as as kind of, I guess, kind of an educational piece for for people who aren't familiar with with that. And and you see some of the exciting things right now that are happening with with the development on on these open source tools. And 
this is why it's happening. You're getting more paid professional, I mean the word, paid professional development happening by groups outside of the core team. Now, there's also the the, the notion of, of providing support for that software. And I think the core team doesn't necessarily have to be focused on that either. And that's one of the things that like the, the Blender development group has really been focusing on a lot is that, you know, some people want the Blender foundation or whatever foundation around the software to, uh, to be in charge of support. And when I mean support, I mean both user support as well as developer support. Now it makes sense for them to be doing developer support because they want to understand if you want to contribute to the code, you have to have proper documentation of the code. So you know where to go to make the changes that you want, or you have someone that you can talk to about how to do that. And that's why, uh, the, you know, you have either developer mailing lists, you have developer forums, you have various chat channels that you can use to, to have those conversations and figure that sort of thing out. But there's also the, the notion of user support or what if something breaks kind of support. And, that's something that I don't think necessarily the the core development team needs to be part of. And that's one of those things where we, we need to um, disinvolve ourselves with that practice. Is disinvolve a word? Uh, yeah, I'm going I'm to say disinvolve is a word. We need to sort of maybe just sort of free, our, free ourselves of, of that practice of, of assuming that the people who wrote the software are necessarily the best or most trusted source for providing source uh, support for that software. Um, they, they might not be. In, in the case of a lot of it, you have developers who are creatives themselves, who are using the software, started coding the software because it wasn't doing what they needed to. They happened to be artists, but also knowing a little bit of code, they figured they could make some contribution to it. And that's where a lot of um, developers for creative apps they're, they're coming from that background. They're not necessarily trained uh, computer science or, or, or programmers. They're, they're often creatives and artists who just also happen to know a little bit about code. And you, you get that sort of itch-scratching component, and that's where, that's where, where, that's where a lot of that... That's where their, their, their background is. And so they, they know... Some of the, this is why I keep saying they, they know the problems that need to get addressed. They just don't necessarily have the time or the, 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 the resources to, to address that. And I kind of lost a little, little bit of my thread here. <laughs> I forgot where I, was, where I was starting with it. But the, 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 main, the main point I'm trying to make that I've probably sort of beat on the dead horse on this enough so I'll, I'll i'll bring it to a close is open source software development is a participatory thing and though that's what i was getting at is that that the support part of that the best oftentimes even even in closed source software the best kind of sort of user in support comes from the community of users of it and one of the best things about open source software users is that our communities tend to be larger because the software itself is has easier access right what when the software is given away essentially for free then you tend to have a lot of people go to it because the barrier to entry is just so low which means that our communities tend to be larger they also tend to have a higher proponent of people who are not using the software on a sort of 
professional day-to-day, this is what I use for my job kind of thing. But that's changing as well. But there's always going to be a larger quotient of, the, of that in terms of, uh, of that kind of user, which is, which is fine. But you'll find that a lot of the support, a lot of like the, 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 what if it breaks or how does it work sort of support comes from, comes from the community. And I'd like to see more people within the community do things in terms of documentation, but maybe, maybe put that on, become part of the official documentation teams, right? Every one of these applications has some way of, of building a manual or, or those sort of things. Go on and contribute to that. Um, be, be part of that uh, section of, of that's, that's something that we as, as the users of the software who maybe don't know software development can still contribute to the development because developers will be the first to tell you they suck at documentation or even if they don't suck at it, it's not necessarily their favorite thing to do. They'd rather be writing the code part of that and hope that the code documents itself. Code will document itself if you're trying to write it, but not necessarily that doesn't translate to user user in documentation. And I guess that's one of the things where I think um, we need to sort of break ourselves from a little bit is expecting that the the core development team is going to be the best or proper resource for user support. I think there's a very, very um, strong business case for somebody to build up and there's been there's been a, a few starts of this is already in, in a couple pockets over the over the years but part of the reason why that hasn't taken off is is because of user mindset problems and so i'm jumping ahead here but like you could start up a business to provide official um support or commercial support that's probably a better way of doing it to provide commercial support for open source creative tools, right? You could you could be the phone number that uh, a studio calls when the they, they want to get the software to work for their artists the way that they want, or um, you know, the, that kind of user support thing. That doesn't necessarily have to come from the software development team. That can be something that comes from within the community, and it doesn't have to be maintained by the software development team. It can be maintained by people within the community, and again, it could very well be a business. You could build a... Um, a, a, again, I keep using them as a reference, but it's because it's, it's a great reference. You could build a Red Hat style support business around creative open source software, right? You could be that resource where like, all right, I will help you deploy, you know, the, the open source creative suite, right? You talk, you talk Blender, you talk Krita, you talk GIMP. Uh, you might throw my pain in there because I like it. Inkscape, uh, Ardor, Audacity. You know, you have that. We we have a a a pretty robust suite of tools, and someone could very easily set up a uh, a business to help deploy and support deployments of uh, open source creative software in a studio environment, and be able to 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 run that. Now, of course, you'd have to find studios and companies that are willing to pay for that kind of outsource support, but they're already trying to do it with proprietary software. They're just using the same vendor for both getting the software, the, the development of the software, as well as the support of the software. That's because that, that model has been on the proprietary side. They, those things have been coupled together, but they don't have to be coupled together. And I mean, you even have on 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 the proprietary side, you have companies who are giving support for 
closed source apps because you know the main company doesn't have the resources themselves to uh, to do it, or maybe they're just not doing it well, right? How many times have, has anyone put in a a uh, individual user support phone call to to Adobe and Autodesk and and actually gotten proper feedback for for whatever their their issue is. So there's a lot of like there's an open territory, open ground there for for someone to come in and provide that kind of user land support. And I think that also exists in the close in the open source world as well. And I'd like to see more people doing that kind of thing. Uh, if I didn't have too many, if I didn't have so many other projects on my own, I might be a person that would want to do that. But I have. I have other things that I'm trying to do, so I'll let someone else do it. But then again, we've been letting that's we've been wanting other people to try and do that, and they have been. But we we are now getting to the point where I think the users of open source creative software who who uh, or just u- users, because I mean, I understand that 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 I'm not the only person doing. Uh, creative things with open source software. And I think that's fantastic. And it's one of the things I say a lot. I'm not the only one. Uh, There are a lot of us that are doing it, but maybe not everybody's taking it to the extreme that I am where my entire pipeline is open source. Um, A lot of people are using it on an opportunistic level. I need an image editor. I don't need to pay for Photoshop. So I'm going to throw GIMP or Krita in there and use that for for whatever individual small thing I need to get done and then go on with my life. and then use maybe proprietary tools or proprietary open uh, operating system for the other things that I need to handle on my day to day. Yeah, sure. But I think that that kind of user, that kind of person, this is what this podcast episode is really focused on is you don't have to look at software as something that is over there. It is something that you can have ownership of. It's something that you can participate in and be part of. And it just gets better because you do. So, I think that's that's about what I wanted to say on this episode, and we're gonna go with that. <laughs> and and you know what? It it turned out to be less ranty than I thought it was gonna be. It's more, hopefully, more enduring. Yeah, I'm probably repeated myself a few times, but um, I'm I'm gonna work on not editing those out because I want to make sure that I get episodes out and I don't uh, spend all of my time editing anyway. And yeah, I, I, I what I really want to know is what you think of this. Um, and I think that if you find this episode valuable and you think that it's informative and you think that someone else who is an artist, who is a creative that uses any sort of tools, not just open source tools, but any sort of tools, if they if they don't get it when it comes to how open source development works, maybe maybe this this little episode here can provide them some level of insight to 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 explain how that works and um and if it doesn't send me an email and let me know how i can say it better that would be at podcast at opensourcecreative.org just in case i haven't said it yet which i think i have but it's worth it to say it more than once uh yeah and the other reason why i want to say, put that email address out there is because well i still haven't quite got comments activated on the site and actually i'd like to know whether or not you find having comments on the, the, the website where the podcast is, if you find that useful or if you just would prefer to have direct communication with me via email or through social media or those sort of things. By the way, you could track me down on social media. Uh, I'm just I'm on just about every one of them. Just look for Monster Java Guns or OSS Creative or look for my name, Jason Van Gumster. I'm all over the place. 
And, of course, uh, this podcast has a email newsletter, which I finally got all set up, and it's all working, and it's happy. You just have to sign up on that by going to the contact page on opensourcecreative.org. Once you do that, get your information all clickety clacked in, do the confirmation dance, and you should be good to go. Yeah. I miss you guys. This was fun. I'm enjoying podcasting again, and I'm looking forward to doing more episodes. By the way, I am, I, the last little bit here is I am starting to get uh, interviews and those sort of things lined up. So if you have anybody who you think would be good to, to talk to on this show for me to talk to or, or interview or those sort of things, toss me an email. Again, podcastopensourcecreative.org, and uh, let me know who they are. Or I, better yet, have them email me, and I can get them scheduled up, and we can we can start having those conversations and sharing that kind of open source creative stuff for the rest of the world. This could be uh, any artists that you know that use open source and creative software, or even developers of those tools. I would love to talk to all of you. All right. So that's the show. Thanks a whole bunch. It's time to get to work. Thank you.